Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Currington as he shares this week's message. Hey, Luke chapter 9, 10 through 17. Should I say a familiar favorite story of many, the feeding of the 5,000. The title is The Savior Who Welcomes and Satisfies. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. Maybe, how many, by the way, if I, sometimes I use phrases and things that, 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 that other people may not be familiar with, and sometimes that's my Midwest upbringing compared to those here on the West Coast, but how many of you have ever heard of Madison Avenue? You, you know what Madison Avenue, the, okay, it's advertisement, the, the home of marketing, kind of like Wall Street is the home of finance there in New York, Madison Avenue is, is that home. And the role of Madison Avenue, you know, the marketing center of the world, their goal is to create a perception that their product, whatever it may be, whatever that widget may be, is essential for your well-being and happiness. You will not find well-being or happiness unless you use this toothpaste, you know, this cologne, you know, this perfume, or eat this hamburger. Uh, you, you, you have to have that. And they're very good at what they do in enticing you to accept that. They strive to create a thirst and hunger for whatever widget they are selling. One of the greatest things that I think that Steve Jobs, the uh, founder of Apple, has ever done is he created a thirst and hunger for products that were not ever even invented. They were things that you were not even really asking for. Unless you had some type of futuristic mindset. There are people that are like that. So this is something, I mean, we, who had ever thought of a, an iPad or a Walkman, or not a Walkman, but um, uh, the iPad. Th- things that you weren't even asking for and doing it in such a way that makes it so simple that anyone could do them and use them. And he's very good at creating those types of things that are now just normal things. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't even exist until you own some type of Apple product. And now today, if an Apple product's coming out, you have people lining up, you know, miles long to, to get one. You know, uh, uh, shoes have done this well as well, Nike and other things. There is now, it has created an, an, an industry where you can now uh, be paid to stand in line for someone to buy that product. They'll pay you to stand in those long lines and camp out. It's just amazing what they do, but they create this thirst and hunger for whatever that widget is and what they're selling and how they proclaim that it will satisfy that itch that just needs to be scratched, right? And then sometimes they create that itch, that thing that keeps you from fully being satisfied. So that's, that's their desire. That's, the, that's their whole uh, goal in life is to do that. I remember one TV show in which their opening theme, and you're going to get it as soon as I say it, contained the line, everyone knows your name. Everyone wants to go to a place that everyone knows your name. The writers of that song knew that a desire lays deep within each and every one of us to belong, to be welcomed. To be a place where we are known. Our unofficial tagline here at Orangeville Bible Church, you don't see it because we don't do much printed material as we did before COVID, is that we are a place to belong, a place to become. 
And what do we mean by that? Is we know that there is a place that you can belong, right? That there's a place here that we will welcome you as you are. Whether you are a long-serving servant of Christ or you're just a messed up sinner like the rest of us. We used to talk about this, Brandon and I, you know, what was it, um, what was that phrase I used to use? Uh, um, no, no, not that one. The other one. No perfect people allowed. You know, out the Groucho marks, you know. This is a place where no perfect people are allowed. And your own presence has already ruined that, you know, has already shown that to be true. But we all want a place to belong, a place to become who God has attended to us. And that's truly what OVBC wants to do. We have a desire to be wanted, welcomed, and warmed by those we consider friends and family. Unfortunately, it also reminds me of another song back in the 80s that warned that people were looking for love in all the wrong places. So that we have some cultural identifier things there. Sadly, Satan has used that desire to be welcome and to be satisfied in promise to fulfill that longing in us, but yet with things that are truly lead us, as the song said, right to the grave. Understanding the human need, we understand, though, that only God can truly welcome and satisfy our needs, no matter who you are, where you were born, what part of the country, no matter what your social economic background is, you and I realize that it's only truly God who can welcome and satisfy that need. Madison Square, you know, Madison, not Madison Garden, but Madison Avenue does a very good job. But see, they're telling you the wrong things, and so we're filling it up. Last week we read that Jesus' ministry is growing in scope and size and it has finally come to the attention of Herod. And Herod is a, is a man of curiosity. He, he wants to know what's going on. And Jesus has been uh, uh, ministering for the last 18 months in Herod's territory. So it's finally come to his attention, especially probably with that work of the, the, the 12 apostles who have now just uh, exploded Jesus' ministry uh, with 12 men going out to all the various towns and villages. So now it's definitely coming to his attention. And he wants to know, who is Jesus? And we ask that question. And that's a question that everyone needs to answer. And it's an answer that if you do not get correctly, your eternal destiny is at stake with the answer of that question. But Herod's curiosity is not based on a faith in which he truly wants to worship God as the wise men. Remember, his, his father killed uh, uh, hundreds of, of, of babies two years and under to kill who he believed was the king of kings. And now here it is. His curiosity is not based on faith, but his desire to be entertained. He, he had a curiosity about John the Baptist and that led him to eventually to imprison John and then to cut off his head. In our passage today, Luke is going to continue to identify who Jesus is. Again, that's why he's writing the whole book. And this is what we're seeing as we're working here. Luke demonstrates that Jesus exhibited the compassion of a good savior. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning as Jesus is a good savior. He's a, a shepherd and he does so by giving rest to his weary disciples, by teaching those who are lost, confused, and mistaken, and healing those who were sick or disabled. 
And also then, as we see, by providing food that was needed to satisfy the hunger of a large crowd that had came out to listen to him and to watch him. So with that, we're in Luke 9, 10 through 17. It is going to be here on the monitor for you. But again, always bring your Bibles. I encourage you to. You can follow along on either one. Luke writes, on their return, speaking of the apostles, they returned and they told Jesus all that they had done. And Jesus took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethesda. Remember, they had mainly spent a lot of their time in Capernaum. Now they're moving down to Bethesda. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God. Jesus knew exactly what they needed. And he cured those who had need of healing. Verse 12, now the day began to wear away and the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away to the surrounding villages and countrysides to find lodging and get provisions for we are in a desolate place. And that's not necessarily meaning a desert, but a place where there's no 7-Eleven. There's no place to easily get food. But Jesus said to them in verse 13, you give them something to eat. What a daunting task. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes, two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. What an expensive tab that would be. For there were about 5,000 men, Luke writes. And he said to his disciples, have them set down in groups about 50 each. That's interesting. That's interesting. Luke would, would note, the other gospels don't note really how that is, but it's easy. There are 50 there. It's easy then to count, Right? So Luke has given us an idea. Say, this is how we know what Jesus is about to do. It is so immense and so miraculous and powerful. And they did so. And he had them all set down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the, lo- the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Father, give us wisdom. Thank you for this portion of scripture. We know this very well. So let us not skip over uh, just because we've heard it many times. We've seen the movie. We've read the stories. We've seen the picture books. But Lord, help us to understand how Jesus is welcoming and satisfying here. For we need to be welcomed. And we need to be satisfied. And Father, we need to look to the one who can truly do that. So thank you for your word. Be with us during this time and may we respond to the Spirit's work in each and every heart. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we read that, you saw that Jesus welcomed them and then he satisfies them there at the end. The question of who is Jesus is still hanging in the balance. As Luke continues his narrative, and in this passage, Luke paints Jesus as the compassion Messiah who has authority over the laws of nature. He can can take bread and he can multiply it without growing it as wheat and then taking it and kneading it and baking it. it. He just makes it happen. This is against the laws of nature. Matthew and Mark in their account of this event emphasize Jesus as the good shepherd while Luke presents Jesus more as a savior who welcomes and satisfies all who come to him. And so I want to give you here, I think, four, five, four observations. First, we see that Jesus shows care and compassion to disciples as he welcomes them back from their journey, from their ministry endeavors. 
Jesus' disciples are reunited after their short-term missionary work. Successful, I should say, short-term missionary work in the villages of Galilee. Remember, they were sent to heal, to exercise demons, and to preach the gospel of repentance. Recognizing their need of recuperation after the traveling and ministry, Jesus decides to get some alone time with them to encourage them to build up, to hear their stories, to give them the attaboys and praise gods, the hallelujahs. So Jesus seeks out a desolate place or a place where not many people are at. The other gospels give it as a grassy hill. hill. So when we think of desolate, don't think of like the desert, so to speak, but a place that's barren, a place that you're not going to find food just around the trees and around the ground. And he does this so they can rest, get that quiet time. But this also allows Jesus to circumvent Herod. Remember, Herod is seeking an audience with Jesus. So Jesus leaves Capernaum, the area of Galilee, and goes down to Bethesda, which is on the northeast side of the lake of Galilee, outside of Herod's territory. Herod has no authority now where Jesus is. Not only does he show care and compassion to disciples, but the second observation we see is that Jesus shows care and compassion to the crowd. It doesn't seem every time Jesus tries to get away, someone's following him. You know, any mothers can relate to this. There is no safe, quiet place in a home for a mother, is there? No shower, no bathroom, no bedroom. The kids are going to find you. They, they, they're just like, and this is what's going on. Jesus is trying to find a quiet place to encourage and give some <laughs> recuperation for his disciples. But again, the crowd comes. But instead of being annoyed with them, Luke tells us that Jesus welcomes them. By the way, parents, this is a side note. You ought to have the same attitude towards your children, to others. I have a little note in my office that says, there are no interruptions in life. They're just God-ordained moments. A harsh word, get away. Can't I get a moment of rest? You can stay with your children for a long time. It can be that burr that they have to sit on the rest of their lives as they're looking for someone to welcome them, someone to satisfy them. That's a side note. It's free. Thank you. But Jesus shows care and compassion to the crowd. The crowd continues to follow them in the wilderness. They're not going to be stopped. They want an audience with Jesus and nothing's going to stop them. They're still overwhelming. Many have probably followed the disciples maybe to see who Jesus was. Who's this man that Jesus, they too want to know who is Jesus. If these men are just his disciples, then let's go see the master. That could have been what's going on here. They want to see who Jesus is, whom they've preached about, the 12 just preached about. They're wanting to see who Jesus is for themselves. And seeing that great crowd, Luke tells us that Jesus was not annoyed with them. He wasn't angry with them. He wasn't looking for a way to escape from them, but it says that he welcomed them. And he used that opportunity to teach them about the kingdom of God as well as to heal them from their various ailments. Jesus looked at the crowd, and Matthew says, they looked at the crowd, and he had compassion on them, for they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' disciples needed a much-needed rest. But Jesus did not view this great throng of people as an interruption or a problem but he sees them and views them as people in great need. Take your Bibles real quickly and turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. 
Jesus is demonstrating that he is a savior, a shepherd, the prophet, that Yahweh has promised to send. And interestingly, God has promised to shepherd his people. Why? Because there have been a failure of the kings and the priests who have absconded from their responsibility and jobs, misused their privilege. And so now he's sending them in Jeremiah chapter 23. Look at verse 1. Jeremiah through the, your Yahweh through Jeremiah the prophet says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Again, speaking of the kings, the leaders, the religious leaders, the priests, the prophets. Therefore says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away. You haven't welcomed them. You haven't satisfied them. You haven't done what I've called you to do. You have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. By the way, think of that. One day God will attend to each and every one of us for our evil deeds. For those of us who know Christ, we will, there will be no condemnation. Amen. But to those that do not know Christ, they, they will be attended to. Verse 3, then I will gather the remnant of my flock, this is the promise, out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall there be any missing, declares the Lord. Why? Because he's welcoming them in. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as a king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. For you and I need justice and righteousness. That's what you and I, that's really the itch that needs to be scratched. That's truly what we hunger and thirst for. Now Jesus is this righteous branch that Jeremiah speaks of, that the Lord promised. He's the promised one, the Messiah. And as that promised one, the good shepherd, he recognizes the true condition of the people as sheep without a shepherd. A phrase one commentator writes as used being described the people as helpless and starving, lacking in spiritual guidance and protection and exposed to the pearls of sin and spiritual destruction. That's you and I from the moment of our birth. Though Luke doesn't recount the motivation of the crowd that's following Jesus, the Apostle John does in John chapter 6 in his account of this. For John writes, this is indeed, speaking of the people, the people are saying this is indeed the prophet, capital P. This is the prophet who has come to the world that, 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 uh, that Jeremiah promised, that, that was promised in Deuteronomy by Moses. And perceiving it says that they were about to come and take Jesus by force, to make him a king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Hearing of the great works of Jesus and the authority in his teaching, the men speculated that Jesus might be that one to deliver them from Rome, the Messiah that they had long awaited for. Again, we need to be reminded that the people of that time were looking for a deliverer, a leader, a Messiah to redeem them and to restore Israel to its rightful place. And they wondered, can Jesus be this man? These men needed care. They needed leadership. And though it was good, though it was good that they were looking for the Messiah, the promised one to lead them, Jesus needs instead to teach them about his true mission and the kingdom of God. 
So he shows care and compassion to the disciples, shows care and compassion to the crowd. But now Jesus instructs his disciples, the third observation, is Jesus instructs his disciples to provide for the crowd. There's 5,000 men, they're, they're hungry. And whether it was from compassion or selfishness, the disciples show concern for the great crowd. In other words, they, they recognize there's a need and, and, and they don't want anything to do with it. They know that there's nothing that they can do to solve this issue. They recognized the problem as it was late in the day and they were from a faraway place and there was no easy place to get food, even if they had the money to go buy the food. Do you think Jesus and the disciples had enough food for 5,000 men? Have you ever tried to feed 5,000 men? Have you ever tried to feed five men? Try a men's breakfast here. There's not enough bacon in the world sometimes. Their solution, send them away. Jesus, you welcome them, you send them away. Not a bad plan. Probably one that you and I would come up. What else are they to do, right? They don't know how to cope with the situation. They just see the barriers. They just see the wall. They see the desire for them to be satisfied, but have no way to, to know how to satisfy their hunger. Now, what's interesting is Jesus, Son of God, he knows that they neither have the money nor the food to do that. So why does Jesus even ask them, hey, you feed them, take care of them, provide for them? Well, one, just as a side note, well, they had just spent some time doing what? Ministering, healing, exercising demons, and he told them what? Do not take anything with you. They were to trust that God would supply all that they needed. But here they are immediately after a great victory. And what do they do? Well, God can't supply here. I've got five loaves and two fishes. What am I supposed to do? Is, is fishes, can you say fishes? Is fishes English term right? No, it's fish. They have two fish, but that, that's so weird. Why do they come up with that? It's like mooses, mises, I don't know. But Jesus' purpose in asking them to feed the people was most likely to show the hopelessness of the issue. And to show them that, yes, even though you were successful, there are just some things that you cannot do. This is a job for me. It's going to be something other than the regular means is going to satisfy this crowd that they had welcomed in. They are not going to be able to collect enough food from everyone to serve them. They, they didn't bring enough in their knapsacks, right? They, they don't have enough money to go and buy food if there was a place that they could go and easily buy food for 5,000 men. There's no pizza. There's no pizza, pizza, little Caesars, right? That can get you a pizza in five minutes. Fourthly, Jesus shows care and compassion by providing them food. We see that in the story. Jesus instructs them to, shut, to sit down and probably to shut up as well, maybe. But that's beside the point. That's not in the text. He tells them to sit down in an orderly arrangement to facilitate the crowd, to make it orderly. Have them sit down in 50s. Collecting what was available around them, Jesus prays and he gives thanks for those five loaves and two fish. It's in my notes. I got to have to cross all that out. Word didn't find it, so it must be okay. And then he tells them to distribute that food. Now, I don't know about you. 
I don't know how many baskets they were able. I mean, you're cutting the bread. How is, is he taking the bread and, he's, and, and, and is it growing as he's tearing it? Wouldn't that be great if every time you opened your wallet, there was another $5 in there? Or let's say 10. Now let's say 20. Is that, is that, would, we, would you be happy with 20? Some of you might be happy with a dollar. But some way, they're filling up the baskets. And the food's not stopping. Luke records that those five loaves and two fish fed 5,000 men. Not only did it feed them, but after the, the, the meal was done, they collected 12 baskets full of leftovers. And through this supernatural miracle, Jesus gives a testament to everyone who is there of who he is. He's more than just a teacher, a prophet, or a miracle man. This man had control over the laws of nature itself. Just like making wine out of water, Jesus is able to produce the bread and the fish from nothing. Now I want to give you some simple thoughts real quickly about the passage. This miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle other than the resurrection that is recorded in all four Gospels. So in that, it is very important. The people that are following Jesus are not looking for him to do something like lead them to salvation. They're looking for miracles. They're looking for signs. They're looking for a king. Now the disciples here are responsible to minister to the crowd. And they've already received power, but instead of using that power, they just say, what are we to do? So Jesus puts them to the next place and they kind of become the first deacons, so to speak, as they organize and distribute food to the people. But they're not able to supply the need. That's so important. See, I, I can give you counsel if you want marriage counsel, if you want relationship counseling or parenting counsel, but I, I, I can't, I, I don't conjure up my own opinion. I give what God has already given in the same way. We, we are collecting food so that we can help others. It's not something that you and I create, but we're, we're giving what God has given to us. That's why he says, bring your storehouses in the of what God has given you, then give to others. The Jewish people remember here as they're sitting here and as they're getting bread and water or bread and fish uh, out of nothing, this would obviously remind their them of their ancestors who wandered the desert, who was given manna. It would also remind them of Elijah, who was fed by God by the ravens. Remember when we studied about that several years ago, during that three-year famine. But also what you and I must realize about this passage, as we find from the other Gospels, you don't see it so much here, is that it was not 5,000 people that were, that were served here, that were fed. There were 5,000 men. And so you have to remember, then, you know, now, now their wives and their children are with them. We see this in other portions of Scripture. So probably fifteen to 20,000 people were fed that day. So we said this is something even much more. Now, as I mentioned, this, this event would remind them of both Moses and Elijah, where Yahweh supplies bread in a desolate place. And just as Jesus promised the apostles that all of their physical needs would be met, 
during their missionary endeavors, so all those who follow Jesus will be welcomed and satisfied in having their needs met. And that's the power of this passage that I want to share with you this morning. Theologian Daryl Bach notes that this event serves two purposes, to help identify who Jesus is, so they can have confidence and certainty that he's more than just a man, but also to teach his disciples about something about trust and provision. God welcomes, if God welcomes, then God will supply. God will satisfy. This will help the apostles to answer the question about who Jesus is. Next week we get to that. When Jesus will say, who do you say that I am? We see in this miraculous event that Jesus is a Savior who will welcome and satisfy. Look with me at verse 17 of Luke chapter 9. Luke notes that all that ate, we're speaking 15 to 20,000 people, were satisfied. You ought to underline that. Jesus never will leave you without your need met. God is a God who satisfies. In Matthew 6, 11, Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, trusting in him. The food that they ate that day was satisfying to a hungry man. But it was only, listen to this, it was only temporary. They would get hungry later that night or in the next morning. Christ gave, uh, came to give much more than just us, uh, 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 earthly or regular food that you and I have. In John chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus taught his disciples, it's here on the monitor for you. He says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. You cannot earn it. You do not have to go and, and build it yourself. For on him the God, the Father, has set his seal. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. We're going to be there for a little bit this morning. John chapter 6 and verse 32. Jesus continues on this theme about satisfying those who hunger, about welcoming those who come to the Father, who come through Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 30, 30, 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. That's true satisfaction. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of the life, bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What do we see in that? Jesus will welcome and satisfy those who come to him. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus promised that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Satisfied, filled. They shall be satisfied. Go back to John chapter 6, look at verse 37. Here we read of Christ's plea as he promises to welcome and satisfy those who come to him. In verse 37, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Now there's a great word of welcome. He will never cast you out. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. True satisfaction, true life, never to hunger and thirst. Madison Avenue cannot promise you this. They are giving you false promises. From this passage, we learn that Jesus has compassion on the lost, the wicked, and the sinner. He has invited us to visibly embrace that invisible kingdom of God today. And that's what we're doing here today. We're the visible expression of the invisible bride of God. And he promises to satisfy What are you looking to satisfy yourself today? In what ways have you been blinded to the allure of this world and its false promises? In what way are you trying to be satisfied? Which way are you dealing with your pain and your suffering, trying to cope with the trials and troubles of this world? We have been seduced by the wrong things, looking for welcome and satisfaction in the embrace of what the Proverbs would say is the adulterous woman, which represents foolishness in relationship to wisdom. You see, you and I need a Savior who will welcome and satisfy us. And you say, why do I need that? Well, number one is to protect us. Like these men, we need healing from the curse of sin and death. We too are like sheep who are defenseless and even oblivious to our true condition. I wish I would have gotten that video up. I don't know if any of you have seen it on Twitter where this young man, it looks like it's somewhere else in another country. There's this little road and and next to the road, there's this little ditch that goes down. It looks like it might be a drainage ditch and then to the side, to the left side of that drainage ditch, it looks like it's some fields. And, he, and, and, and on the video is showing us a, a young man. He's pulling out something. At first, you can't tell what it, what, what it is. And it looks really strange. And all of a sudden, he pulls it out. And it's this little baby sheep. Very cute. And he lets go. And the baby sheep kind of jumps into the field. And you know how a, a little, should I, is, are we filming this? Oh, no. He's kind of hopping. And he hops down the field. And he takes a hop. And he hops. And he right back into the ditch farther down. And the young man just looks at him. What are, you, ought to, you ought to Google it. It's so funny. But that's us. We get pulled out and we jump back in. Scripture says a dog returns to his own vomit. He's come to protect us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So we need a Savior who's going to welcome us into his mighty fortress. Great song, Brandon. Fit in well. And he's that tower of refuge, a strong tower. And the gates of hell cannot what? Prevail against it. We need that protection. For Satan knows your heart and knows how to capture it, how to wound it, how to scar it. We need someone who can protect us. That protection does not mean that troubles and sorrows don't come our way. But we have one who can heal the heart. We need one to teach us. 
Like these men, we, we think we have it all figured out. We think we know what we need, what we desire, and how, go, how, about, how to go about getting that. How is that working out for you and your friends and your family, by the way? Prisons are still full, even though California keeps emptying them out. Sober living homes are full. Counseling rooms are full. People still trying to get something to satisfy them. But they're taught, they're, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Heartbroken. The disciples thought that their success in ministry would, go with, would continue without any hitch. But they find themselves quickly forgetting how God has supplied all their needs. In Psalms 14, we read that the fool has said his heart, there is no God. We need someone to teach us that there is. Someone to open our minds and hearts to the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul warns us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the world to keep us from seeing that light. Our job here at OVBC, not just mine, but all of ours, is to be that aroma and fragrance that opens the mind of people. But we are more concerned of whether or not our perfume or cologne will attract the attentions of strangers or maybe someone at work or someone else. To draw attention to ourselves. Well, we should be directing that attention to Christ, to the Spirit. Like the men following Jesus into the desolate place, seeking to, to make him their political and military Messiah, we were blind fools, looking for wrong things in the wrong places. We're looking for political, cultural, economic saviors. Desiring for someone to come and make everything okay. We're looking for healing, comfort, salvation from our problem. To provide for us. We need a Savior to provide for us. For the world will not do it. It is God who will supply all of our needs. It is Him that we are to be content in. Like these foolish men, they run into the desert. You think about that? They go and follow Jesus without bringing any provision dragging their wives and their children with them. How often, men, have we have not led in a godly spiritual way, leading our wives and our children into a desolate place? Wondering why our child, children are rebellious, our wives uh, and spouses uh, don't respect us. Our children grow up rebellious, rejecting God. Because many times we have led them without the provision that God has provided. Philippians, Paul promises that God will supply every need of ours according to his riches in Christ. Even our daily needs, needs, food, shelter, clothing. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught our Father knows what you need before you even know them. The healing and comfort we need. In Psalms, we read, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all of our sins and who heals us from all our diseases. Second Corinthians, bless the God and Father of all comforts, who comforts us in our affliction. Then salvation. Only in Christ is there salvation. Not in sacraments, not in working for our salvation, not in believing whatever whatever uh, philosophy you may grab or ism that might be the world may have to offer, but it's only through 
Christ. Thank you. Yeah, we've got time. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. It's too important to pass over. We need to grab this. If you haven't got the grasp of primer, you need to grab it and, 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 and along with it read scripture. For in this passage in Ephesians 2, we see that God sends Christ to rescue us from the penalty of death that hangs over every believer. See, Jesus welcomes and satisfies even the sinner, the one who comes to him. But even that comes as the, as the Father chases us. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespass and sin, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. This is Madison Avenue. They know this better than you do. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is you and I. This is every, every little baby in the nursery. This is sweet grandmom. Verse 4. Circle that word but. Again, as I said, great word in the Bible. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. He welcomed and satisfied us by giving us what we truly need. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're in the desolate place and you don't even know what you're hungering and thirst for. You're chasing every rabbit that follows and you're going to every hole trying to find satisfaction in what the world offers. It's not there. It's not there. It will not truly welcome you and satisfy you. It may seem to welcome you. What's that phrase? Misery loves company, right? One of the things that Mike has shared, and I think you won't mind me sharing this, is in his testimony, he shared it with the men and many others, is that many of you know he's, he, he has new liver because of some choices he made when he was younger. He said, I had plenty of friends then. But the day I went to the hospital, I lost many of my friends. Would you not? I know that's not your exact words, but isn't that true? Yeah. Why? He couldn't provide for them anymore. He wouldn't join them in their sin. But let me tell you, Mike, Jesus welcomed you and brought you home, and he's truly satisfying you. And one day you will be with him forever. And that could be your testimony. I pray it is today. If not, would you see that you need a Savior? Need one who truly will welcome you? Who will satisfy you? And that's what we want to encourage you as, as, as Landon and Randy and I are your shepherds, under shepherds of Christ. We, we want to provide that. We want this to be a place that welcomes you no matter what. People say, well, well who will you welcome? I will welcome the worst of sinners. Because that means Paul one day will walk through this door. Right? The chiefest of sinners. We talk about, what if we have a, a, a person who comes in here and, and, and then they're transgender? Well, praise God, I'm going to give them a, a seat and I'm going to share with them the word of God. 
Just as I would share with someone who left their wife and their children, I would set them down and I would share with them the word of God. I would welcome them. And I would introduce them to the one who will not only love, but forgive them and satisfy that longing that they're going after. For that's what God has done. And if he has done that for you, do not be silent. For God will take the pain and the suffering in your life. And like that bread and the fish, he will, he will make it grow so that it could fill other people's baskets. Let me end with this. Jesus welcomes and satisfies all those that seek him. Now I know the Bible says that we don't seek him, but the Holy Spirit will lead you to him, only through him. You can write this down later, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Our, our main verse, our theme verse for our church is verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added in verse 25 through 30, 32. You'll see what Jesus is speaking about here. Jesus welcomes and satisfies the weary. Come unto me, he says, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what you truly want and desire? It's rest for your soul. Jesus welcomes and satisfies the humble. We cannot go to Jesus and demand things, and that's what we mainly do when we come to Jesus. Solve my marriage. Make my kids obey me. Give me a raise. Give me the great retirement. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mornings and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Isn't that what we do? Madison Avenue knows that what you want is you want a brighter smile. You want more hair. You want to smell better, look better, uh, make more, more money. Why? Because you want to exalt yourself. Better home. Make better food. Jesus says to do that is to humble yourself. Not win the lottery. Then lastly, Jesus welcomes and satisfies all those that trust him. In John chapter 6, verse 63, I think we have this on there, don't we? Men, thank you. Jesus says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. You're not, you're not satisfied with what I have said. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those who were, or who those who were, who were, did not believe him. Let's just go there. You could read it. And who it would betray him. And he said, this is why I've told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. After this, look at this, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? Because they did not desire his welcome and Jesus could not satisfy, could not scratch the itch that they had. So in verse 67, Jesus turned to the 12. Do you want to go away as well? He gives them an opportunity. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? What a great, we could just preach there. 
Who are you going to go to be welcome and satisfied truly? There is none. You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. You could probably write above that or on the side of that, satisfied. And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus is the Savior who comes to welcome and satisfy those who are hungry and thirsting after him. Would you come to him this morning? Would you continue to come? Would you share like a good apostle? Would you grab a basket of bread and some fish and pass it along? For that truly gives life. Their head bowed and their eyes closed. I'm going to ask Landon to go ahead and make his way up if he would, please. As we also prepare for communion. Again, a moment to just pause. <clears throat> Consider the words of Scripture. To pray and ask the Spirit, how should I respond and give me the courage, the strength? Some of you here have not yet been welcomed into the family of God. Would you come? Today is the day of salvation. We would like to show you after church how you can know that you can have eternal life how you can truly be satisfied. Or maybe here you're a Christian, but yet you sometimes are like that, uh, that guy who has that barking dog who goes and plays with them. Trying to be satisfied and find a place to belong outside of the promises of God. You recognize that. Confess your sin. Repent of it and turn back towards him. Jesus says if you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive you. Would you do so this morning? Don't wait. And for the Christian, it's time to share. Yeah, we recognize, we recognize that we do not have the ability to satisfy and welcome, but we can give them the one who is. Would you do so this morning? Then would you come and pray for us this morning? We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help hear the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.